0: It is, uh, it is such an awesome day to be able to come on a, a day like this and remember and celebrate and rejoice the resurrection of our Savior Jesus Christ. There is no bigger day in the Christian faith uh, since without this day, we'd have no good news to share or to believe in. Without this day, there'd be no need for us to gather as a church, and without this day, there'd be no hope in this life, or in the life that's to come. The Apostle Paul uh, said it so well when he wrote to his friends in Corinth. He says, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. It just doesn't make sense that I'm standing here or you're sitting there if Jesus didn't come back from the grave. So, we celebrate. We celebrate today on this day that Uh, We remember his resurrection, but it shouldn't just stay here. It shouldn't just be a one-day thing where uh, we make a fuss about this resurrected king. It should be a daily, constant, with every breath that we take, experience for us in life. Now, as we get going this morning, let me throw some Easter stats at you. This is my 49th Easter. Do the math. (laughs) It's my 41st as a Christian. It's my 15th as the pastor of this church, and I say that because uh, there's been 15 Easter sermons in my history here, and I don't know if you preach at your church, but uh, uh, <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's challenging every year to come at this thing from a different direction and a new angle. Not that we need to. The message stands on its own. Amen? But uh, we've had some fun around Easter uh, in the years past here. We've uh, put huge crosses on the stage that reach to the ceiling. Some of you were here that year. We've had... Curtains drop in dramatic fashion and reveal an empty tune. That was fun. Whoa, Hell! whoa, whoa dang. Glad you were here. A couple of years ago, I got up here with something called a flannel graph. You had to grow up in angry Baptist churches to know what that is. But, uh, uh, you know, they used to tell the story of the Bible with these paper cutouts that were stuck to flannel shirts. And, uh, we've done a lot of different things, but uh, as we head into this Easter, uh, What I'm sharing with you today has been informed by what we've been experiencing here in our church over the last couple weekends. If you've been here, you know we've uh, uh, been uh, just blessed with this uh, presentation of what we call the bema. The bema is a Greek word uh, for, oh, yeah, it was a great couple weeks. The bema is a Greek word for judgment seat, and uh, we've spent the last couple weeks here at our church thinking about what happens in the end, uh, how things Uh, are going to look on the last day of our existence. We've called it the day. We've talked about instead of living for today, let's live in light of the day and let it shape our choices. See, we as Christians believe that this life is not the end, that we as people exist eternally, and that what we believe and what we do in this life determines our place in the next. That last day is coming for all of us. No matter the form, whether it be our own death or the return of Christ, either one, it's eminent. It's going to be crazy amazing to stand before our God one day. But this talk about Easter Sunday is stemming from what we've experienced over the last couple of weeks talking about that last day. Now, I want to talk about Easter Sunday in the context of... of of the few days in existence that rise above all others in significance, the days that matter more. Everybody has favorite days. In fact, if I told you you had to name your favorite day of the week and I gave you the count of three to be able to say it, you'd be able to say it, wouldn't you? Let's find out. Ready? What's your favorite day of the week? One, two, three. Okay, good. I heard a lot of Saturdays. Who had Saturday? Anybody have Saturday? That's the correct answer, just so you know. Or whatever day it is that your day is off, right? If it's not Saturday, if you work on Saturdays, whatever your day off is. A lot of people, especially last night, uh, yelled Sunday because they knew they were in church. And this was a trick question. The pastor asks you what your favorite day is. You're supposed to say Sunday. I get it. Some people said Friday because it's the day before Saturday. If you said Monday, we have a counseling center. And <laughs> we'd love to help you with your needs. But there's days that we esteem above others. There's there's dates that we re- need to remember above others, right fellas? Anniversaries? You got yours? Do you? The dates of those that we love, uh the, their birthdays, the uh the the uh the, the 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 celebration days, you know. I yelled this last night, what was your favorite day and kids were yelling Christmas, you know. And, uh I I have a special day coming up in our family on May 3rd. Our our daughter, Kai, is going to graduate from FSU, and so we're going to head up there and celebrate her graduation. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I'm clapping right along with you because I get a raise that day. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. Hmm. Here's my question as we head into our discussion of Easter. How many days truly... In all of the days that have ever existed, how many days really matter? Like when it comes to life, when it comes to life after life, what days matter? I came up with seven. You can argue that there's different ones, but we're going to talk about these seven, these seven days that matter. Take away all the other days if you got to, but just give me these. For it's in these 70 days that we have our story. I had some talented artists put together the days here on this pad. Are you ready for the first day? Well, good. It's it's the first day. <laughs> yeah. If you're gonna start the seven days, you better start with day number one, right? Because there aren't any other days if you don't have that one. <laughs> so what's to go there? In our Bibles, it's in Genesis, and it's the first page in your book. Genesis chapter 1 tells us that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Who's heard that before? But it goes on and it says that um, everything that existed didn't really exist. Everything was null and void and that there was a darkness. And it's into this darkness that God said his first words. Genesis chapter 1 verse 3 says, And God said, Let there be light. And there was. And God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. On the first day, God commences creation by turning on the lights. Now, he wasn't actually creating light. Some of you are like, no, Mark, it says it right there. He said, let there be light. No, he he said, let there be light. But he wasn't creating light. In fact, it'll be three days in creation before God actually creates the things that we associate with light in our existence. Like the sun and the moon, those come day four. Read your Bibles. It's in there. But it says here that God said, let there be light, and there was light. And then there's like two more days that come with this morning and this evening or this this light and this darkness. What what are we talking about? Lots of debate has spun around as to what this light is, but everybody kind of arrives back at this one understanding. Here on this first day, the light that God spoke into into being wasn't a created light. It was actually the light that was himself. See, God injected first in creation himself into his creation, instilling his very essence and presence into his creative work. By doing so, God was saying, this isn't going to be some kind of impersonal, you know, uh, throw it together, uh, uh, spin the world into existence and leave it behind kind of creation. From the get-go, God was making himself clear, I will be a constant source of light and life in this world that I am creating. For I am myself light. The Apostle John uh, reminded us of this in his first letter where he writes in the fifth verse of the first chapter there, this is the message that we have heard from him, Jesus, as he relates to his followers, what Jesus said, And, and we proclaim to you, the readers, that God is, say it with me, light, and in him is no darkness at all. Not God is like a light, or God is one of many lights, but God is light. God equals light. Later on in this book, John will say, God is love. Not that God just loves, but God is love. There are certain parts of what we understand in existence that are just God. God and light is one of them. Now, God gives names to the light and to the dark. In verse 5 of Genesis chapter 1, God calls the light day, and he calls the darkness night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. You ever read the Bible, and you're like, what? That's not what it says. Because we all know that days start in the morning and the end of the evening, right? I mean, the clock starts at 12 midnight, and it's dark then, but when the day really starts is when I have my coffee, right? That's, That's daybreak. That's the beginning of the day. It goes from day to night that goes from morning to evening. But here in God's construct, it's not that way at all. It's evening and then the morning. That was the first day. Want to guess what the second day was? It was evening and then morning. Third day, surprise, evening and then morning. That's why when the Jews celebrate their Sabbath, it doesn't start on Saturday morning. It starts on Friday night. at sundown Friday. The Sabbath begins for our Jewish friends, and it lasts until the sun goes down the next day. Why would God make this distinction when obviously coffee should be the delineation of any true day? Well, because God is in this habit of, in his creation, putting in for us these symbols that relate to his operation and how things work. And God knew that throughout his story with us, things would move from darkness to light over and over again. That there would be dark times in the spiritual realm that would give way to his light breaking through. That all of life flows in this way, evening and then morning, darkness and then light. Man, I am so grateful that God saw fit at the beginning of all creation to at the very beginning instill himself and his light into what he makes. I am overwhelmed That is, in the days that follow this first day, he repeatedly offers his light to his creation and specifically to those of us who are created in his image when we find ourselves overwhelmed by the darkness because we're really good at dark. We're really good at messing up what God made in the light. And we see that just two pages after the first day in our Bibles because following the first day was the worst day. Creation culminates on the sixth day there in Genesis chapter one with the creation of the first man who from God created the first woman. And God esteemed the man and the woman above all the rest of creation. He made them his vice regents, those who would steward everything else in creation. He gave Adam naming rights and told him, just all the beasts, they're they're under you. We know that we are above the rest of creation because as God created on all the other days he said oh, that's good that is that's good but on the day that he created us he ended by saying that's very good we were created by him to bear his image and to bring him the glory that he deserves as the stewards of his creation but you probably know how things turned out <laughs> created his image we were given this right to choose this ability to follow him in his light, or to go off on our own and create a darkness uh, from our own choices. And that's what happened in Genesis chapter 3. Spiritual darkness set into the hearts of mankind as the first man and the first woman both chose to disobey God. It's because of that choice that the Bible tells us that we are all now in Adam, that we are guilty of sin, not just by our actions, but by our association We are dark, dead, it's our nature, it's our identity. We've been cast outside the goodness of God's paradise, a relationship with him. We've been separated from him by sin, this darkness of our own making. Sin brings division to every relationship and most of all to the relationship that we have with our God. Sin brings destruction. The Bible's clear. It's a wide road, this dark road. And its end is destruction every time. Now, we should all be glad that uh, none of us are God, especially me. If I were God in this situation, Genesis 3 would be where the Bible ends, there'd be nothing else. Because if I had created a man and a woman in my own image, and if I had given them everything in my creation to enjoy, and if I had just had this one restraint, this one rule, please do not eat of this one fruit, and they chose to do it, (laughs) it's a short book. (laughs) We're just not going to be doing this anymore. God had no compulsion or no you know, contractual uh, deal where he had to allow us to keep going. We are his creation. You should have just shaken the Etch-A-Sketch and we should have just been done. But this brings that principle back into play. When darkness comes, God fills it with his light. Evening and then morning, darkness and then light. So even here on this worth day, God, not in these words, but in his actions says, let there be light. You know how I know? Because he's in the middle of punishing those who were complicit in the first sin. There was a snake, we know him to be Satan. There was the man and there was the woman. And uh, so they all blow it, and so God lines them all up and he goes down one by one and he sells, says, here's all your penalties, and he starts with the snake. And in his punishment of Satan for his involvement in man's sin, we see the Proto-Evangelium, Gesundheit. It's theological speak for basically the first good news. It's the first sign of the gospel because God says to the serpent, he says, I will put enmity, there will be friction, war between you and the woman, you and the humans, and between your offspring, those who follow you, and her offspring, It'll just, it's just going to be how it's going to be. You're going to constantly seek to destroy all that I've made for good, and, uh, and, and that's how it's going to be. But here's the deal. This offspring, one of the offspring of this woman, one of the descendants of Eve, shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Other translations translate those words. Uh, the offspring will crush your head. As you attempt to bruise his heel, yeah, Satan uh, has, has been dead set against us and desirous of leading us into darkness at every turn uh, since his uh, fall from heaven. He's sought to destroy all that God has intended for good. And so here in the garden, uh, God says to Satan, "Hey, I know you're going to keep trying this. There's always going to be war between you and who I've created. There's always going to be your desire to crush. But here's the deal. I'm going to send this one offspring of Eve, and you're going to have a moment. You're going to feel like I've done it. And we just remembered that day a couple days ago. It's called Good Friday. You're going to feel like you have conquered, that you have gained victory. I'm going to give you that just for a couple days. But then I want you to know that this offspring, we know him now to be Jesus. Even as you attempt to end him, he will not be overcome. See, you'll see that Friday as your victory, but it's really mine, because my son will come forth, and in his resurrection, you will be forever defeated. You'll bruise his heel, but he's gonna crush your head. It goes on and says in the uh, 21st verse of of Genesis chapter three, that God, uh, wanting to provide for these who had rebelled against him, uh, he made for Adam and his wife garments of skins, and he clothed them. What a, what a man, what a foreshadowing and a picture of how sin gets covered. Sin requires death, it tells us in Romans. There, there, there must be a payment for unrighteousness, and it's death. And here in the garden, the first death occurs. Animals die so that their skins can be given, so that those crazy fig leaf aprons that Adam and Eve had made for themselves when sin had become a part of their reality, that those, those aprons that would just kind of crumble like leaves in your front yard as they decay, he says, no, let's give you something more permanent. And let's do it by ending something else so that you can be covered in your shame. Everybody fast forward to the cross. Jesus died so that you and I could be covered in our shame. If I had more time and I don't, I would go into greater detail about the ups and downs of the people who proceed from Adam and Eve. There's a whole Old Testament full of their story, uh, but you can read it on your own. It's there in the Bible, it's online, it's everywhere. Check it out. But trust me, here's the pattern over and over again. Want to guess? Darkness to light. Darkness to light. Us humans just couldn't get out of our own way. <laughs> we'd have these moments of brilliance where we would see God work and we would shout our hosannas, as it were, and we would give Him praise and we would be connected with Him. And then on the next page of your Bibles, we'd be off wandering in the darkness. <laughs> See, people just can't help themselves, whether they be the ones recorded for us in the Old Testament or the ones sitting in this room today. No matter how brightly God shines before us, we always seem to manage to find the dark. I don't know about you, but I'm good at sin. I'm ashamed of that. But I'm like accomplished as a sinner. So as time goes by, more and more prophets come to these people in the Old Testament, calling for them as the children of God. They were the the descendants of Abraham, the, the people of Israel. He calls for their repentance and he calls for their preparation of the one who would come. There was this Messiah that had been promised and spoken of over and over again in the Old Testament. And a guy by the name of Isaiah had said this about this one who was to come. He calls him a light. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light and those who dwell in a land of deep darkness on them has light shown That brings us to the next day of the seven. Because on dark days, God begins to work, and ultimately he brings about his plan to shine his light into the world again. And we know that day to be Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> if you want to know more about Christmas, you can read Luke 2 or the beginning of the book of Matthew. You can come back in December. We would love to have you. Try not to miss between, but that'd be great. But I'll sum Christmas up for you by saying this, just as God had injected himself and his light into creation on the first day, he now injects himself again. But this time, he comes differently with his light. He comes as one of us for the sake of us so that in the form of his son, he could die for us. But I love that God uh, is constantly in the natural, uh, revealing what he's doing behind the scenes in the supernatural. He does it on Christmas because it tells us in Luke chapter 2 that in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by what? Yeah, Jesus came in the dark. He was born in the darkness of night. It says an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Ever been in a a dark room and someone flips the lights on real fast and your pupils go and you kind of are almost blinded by the light. That's what happened with the shepherds that night. They were sore afraid. Because surrounding them in what was typically a, a dark scene was the resplendent glory of God's messengers. For the light of God had come. As Jesus grew. A few years later, uh, some wise men from the east, they saw a star, a light in the night sky, and they followed it until it led them to Jesus. The pattern is everywhere in the scripture. From the darkness, God shines his light. And Jesus came to be a light for us. John tells us in his gospel, the first chapter, verse 4, that in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light, Jesus, shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now again, we're kinda of blowing through the whole Bible in one sermon here, so I can't mention everything, but most of you know the rest of the story. If you don't, here's, here's, a, here's basically a summation. Jesus walked the earth in relative anonymity for almost 30 years, and then somewhere around his 30th birthday, he comes out of the woods, he's baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist, and his father says from heaven, This is my son in whom I am well pleased, right? And then he goes on, and for three and a half years or so, he takes Israel by the throat, and he teaches things that men had never heard, and he does things that men had never seen. Miracle after miracle flow from this carpenter from Nazareth. He sits his friends down in one teaching, gets very specific with them, about God's plan to deliver them from the darkness of of their sin. And and he says this to them in John chapter 8, verse 12. He says, uh, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That word, follows me, doesn't mean just goes to church. Whoever goes to church will have the light of life. Whoever comes from a Christian family or a Christian country or a Christian culture, that they'll have the light of life. When he says, follow me there, he, he talked about it in another part of his teaching. He says, if you want to follow me, pick up your cross. He says, in essence, give your life to me. Put your faith in me. I'm the light. If you want to be free from your darkness, follow me in faith. People came from all over to do just that. They were convinced that he was the Messiah, the one that had been spoken of for years, the one who had been promised by God. They followed him all the way up to his triumphal entry. That Palm Sunday, as Jesus rode through the gates of Jerusalem on the back of a donkey, they hailed him as king. His popularity had never been greater His close ends thought, this is it. We need to start arguing about where we're going to sit in the throne room. I mean, this is happening. But they hadn't heard what Jesus had been telling them the whole time. I'm not coming here to take an earthly throne, I'm coming here so that I can become darkness for you. The fourth day on the seven days that matter is Good Friday. And on Good Friday, his followers couldn't believe what they were seeing. See, because they hadn't made the connection. Sure, Jesus had come to be the light of the world. He had made that clear. But they hadn't fully grasped the power of the darkness of their sin in themselves. They didn't understand that uh, the sin that had separated them from God required this payment. uh, That they'd actually been a part of as followers of the Jewish faith for years sacrifices had to be made so that sins could be atoned for Jesus had called himself the lamb he had spoken of himself as a temple that would be torn down he had talked about I got to go to Jerusalem to fulfill my purpose and every time he talked to his friends about it they're like no I don't well we're my dead body Jesus and he would say to Peter hey Pete get thee behind me satan <laughs> you just don't understand see cuz Jesus came to save us from darkness by becoming this payment that I'm talking about. He stood in our place and he became actually sin for us so that through his sacrifice we could be free from our guilt and shame just like Adam and Eve in the garden were covered by God the Father all those years ago. The irony should not be wasted on any of us. For you and I to be freed from our darkness, the light of the world had to become darkness for us. So Paul told his friends in Corinth, he said, For our sake, God the Father made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin. Jesus was perfect. So that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Again, at this time, on this day, God didn't miss a chance to prove or show in the natural what was happening in the supernatural. The Bible tells us that he blocked the sun out from noon until three o'clock. Over the time that Jesus was being crucified on the cross. In Matthew twenty seven it says now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. Some people call it an eclipse. I think it goes way beyond that. I think it just got inky black. Like like nobody see people are lighting fires and torches because there's just no lights on. There's nothing visible. Because Jesus is trying to make, or God is trying to make a point. This, my son who dies on this cross, is becoming darkness for you. At about the ninth hour, it says in verse 46, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus quotes the beginning verses of Psalm 22 when he asks his father this question, why are you forsaking me? Lots of debate has surrounded the meaning of these words, but at the very least, we could see the manifestation of God's wrath, his hatred for sin. As as Jesus took your sins and mine upon himself, God in his righteousness, couldn't even bear to look at his son who had become darkness for us. Well, as with every darkness... The light wasn't too far behind. And that's where we come to today. Because Friday became Sunday and darkness became light again on the fifth day that we call Easter. Some of you are wondering, where we ever gonna get to Easter? Well, we've arrived and it's the biggie. We could say so much. i filled 14 years of sermons on Easter. Let me just say this about Easter and this one. If in dying Jesus became our substitute and he paid for our sin, in his resurrection we have these two things. First, the proof that he is the Son of God. He's proven by overcoming death, that he was who he said he was. He spent his time in his teachings talking about the fact that even as he read a scroll in the synagogue in the town that he was born, he, he read a scroll of Isaiah that described the Messiah, and he stopped at the end and he said, right here. And all of his friends who grew up with him said, isn't that Joe's son? I mean, isn't that the carpenter's kid? He thinks he's the Messiah? Right? He'd go on in his teachings and he'd talk about himself in terms of being the son of man, another moniker for the son of God. This is actually what got him killed. The chief priests and the Jewish leaders said, he's a blasphemer. he thinks he's God. We gotta kill this guy, he's crazy. But, as another preacher once said to me, if a guy says over and over again that he will die and he comes back to life, you can probably trust that the other stuff he was saying was true. Jesus, coming back from the grave, proves that he's the son of God God, and that he can do what he came to do. But it's not just that. Jesus coming back, his resurrection, is evidence that the darkness in us, our sin has once and for all been overcome. We don't have to keep, if we put our faith in Jesus, we don't have to keep going back and and, and saying I'm sorry and and seeking repentance over and over again. We, We have been once and for all In the work of our Savior Jesus Christ, forgiven of our sins. When Jesus hung on the cross, he said, it is finished. He wasn't talking about his life. He was talking about his work. The things that I have come here to do are done. I have paid the debt for all of mankind. Darkness is eradicated. My light is in place for those who would believe in me. Hmm. Paul says it well when he says again to the Corinthians, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also Christ shall, or also in Christ shall all be made alive. Easter, the day that we gather is a day where the lights came on for all of humanity forevermore. And Easter makes the sixth day a day of celebration potentially for all of us. It's that last day that I was talking about before I got up here and started yammering half an hour ago. And on that last day, we're going to stand before God. And God's going to ask us this question, do you know me? Is your name written in my book of life? Did you put your faith in me? And if the answer is yes, then we pass on to an eternity with him in his light. If the answer is no, then we pass on to a different eternity, one absent, the light of the living God. Hmm. Hebrews tells us that... uh, is appointed for man, uh, all of us, to die once. And then comes judgment. My question to you is what's this day going to look like for you? Now, If you're in Christ and you've put your faith in Jesus, then you go on to that thing we've been talking about the last couple of weeks and God will assess what you did for him in this life and I trust he'll be able to celebrate what he finds there. But if you sit here this morning and you came dutifully because it's Easter, thank you for being here. If you're just waiting for the egg hunt and the ham that's on the other side of this, I'm almost done. (laughs) But I want to beg you on this day to consider that there's more to this life than whatever you're living it for. That there's a God who made you, who loves you, who even, despite the darkness in you, wants to rescue you, and to bring His light to you, so that you can have life? It Doesn't require you to go through a bunch of hoops, a bunch of, uh, you know, this and that. It just requires your faith in what Jesus has accomplished for us on these other great days. And it's by your faith that your darkness can be cast away. There's one last day. <laughs> Have you been counting? This is day six. This is the last day that I want to talk to you about. This day. This day. Isn't it amazing that we only have now? Oh, there it went. Oh, well, now we have now. Oh, there it goes again. But we can't go back. I keep Googling for the time machine. They haven't made it yet. So we can't go back and change what's happened in the past. And as much as you worry about your future, you can't go forward and figure out your future. You just got to wait for it. Can't go back. Can't go forward. We just got now. What are you doing with now? What are you doing with this day? Because every day we wake up, we can either choose to walk in God's light and honor Him, or we can choose to walk not with Him in the darkness of our own making. I used to love when church would get slow. I give you permission to do this if you're ever bored while I'm preaching. Open in your Bibles and go to the cool parts. When I was a little kid, it was Joshua. Joshua was the general of Israel's armies during the conquest of the Promised Land. And there's some great fight scenes in the book of Joshua. Lots of crazy stuff going on. I actually read it later on in life. Got all the way to the back end of it where the boring stuff was, I thought. Uh, But it's in peacetime that Joshua, after apportioning all of the promised land to the tribes of Israel, gathers the leaders of those tribes back together, and he has all of the people there, and he says to them, listen, we're done. We made it. We're here. Here's the now what. The now what is that you get every day to choose. He says this in Joshua 24. He says, choose this day whom you will serve. Now, you can choose to serve the gods, Uh, that were uh, the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river. Israel had been guilty of worshiping false deities. You could choose even now as you've kind of entered into this land that used to be inhabited by this tribe called the Amorites, you could choose to worship their gods. They're still around. His point was you could choose to worship and honor and serve whoever you want. Do you remember what he said? "As for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. And you and I wake up every day to that choice. You and I walk into every situation with that choice. We can say in any circumstance, as for me, I will serve the Lord. Or we can say in any circumstance, as for me, I'm gonna serve me. But in the end, on that last day, if we are found without Christ, we are without his light. What are you doing? Will you pray with me? As we close our service, we're going to sing one more song and, and then I'm going to come up and just bid you a happy Easter. And before we do that, I just want to give people in the room the chance to answer that question for themselves. What am I doing? If these are the seven days that matter, what am I doing with this day? How am I living my life right now? I'm so grateful for the lives that have been changed by faith in Jesus Christ over the last few weeks. I've been walking up here with roses every Sunday. But maybe you're the next rose. Because on this Easter Sunday, you finally figured it out. All the fuss is about you. God doing this for you so that you might have life through him. He's calling you. He's calling you from your darkness and into the light. And for you to receive from Jesus what he so willingly gave on the cross, for you to receive the resurrection That is represented in the resurrection of our Savior, you just have to believe. That takes admitting that you're a sinner, acknowledging the fact that you are in Adam and in darkness without God, believing that Jesus is the only way, He is the only way to the Father, and then committing your life to Him. You can do that in a simple prayer. Just say, Father, I admit I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus came and died and rose again so that I can be in the light, and I choose to commit my life to Him. That's salvation. It moves from there into other things, but that's the beginning. You can choose that this day, Father. I uh, I'm so grateful. that we get to pause in the busyness of life and just slow down for a second and think about these things. I pray that if you're working in the hearts of people right now, you'd, you'd draw them to yourself, you'd show them your light and, and you'd lead them from their darkness. I'm, I'm so amazed that you saw us as worth it. I don't, I, don't, I don't see myself as being worthy of your son's sacrifice, but you, but you did. And, and, and in, in my faith in you, God, you have changed my life You've made me new. I'm so grateful to you for that. So lead us to live for you, to live in your light, to give you the worship that you deserve, Father. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: worth saving so you came and changed my life you thought i was worth
0: God said let there be light and he injected himself into his creation and those that he created said no I want, it to do, I want to do my way and darkness came but God just didn't leave us there while we were sinners he loved us sent his son and his son came and he was the light of the world but then his son did what he came to do and he became darkness for us but only for a little while only for a little while because on the third day the stone was rolled away and our savior So may you and I choose this day To live in the light Father, that's my prayer over your people You made everyone in here You love every one of us And you sent your son to die for each one of us. And many of us have already chosen you. And some of us I trust soon will. But may all of us live, God, in the purpose that you created us to live. May we bring you the glory that you deserve as the light of the world. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray these things. Amen. Happy Easter. God bless you. you